Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. We're going to start with football, Jared, because you've come into the studio and Brian Carroll is on the phone. So there we go. It's no, it's no slight on the hurling, which was yesterday. Usually I would start with that. But the, the football seems, when you watch two hurling games, I don't know if you did yesterday, football seems so far away. It seems like so long ago on Saturday. Um, I want to start off with the, with the Kilku-Ballyboden game because that was the most exciting. The other one was, was inevitable, really, wasn't it? But this one was a really exciting game right to the very end. And we thought the Ballyboden comeback which they always do would happen and it didn't it didn't and it was their own fault it didn't Ryan Baskell a free and one from play which would have levelled it up Thankfully we got an entertaining game in the second semi-final because the first game was, was fairly uh, boring overall Willie. Yeah, and I will come on to that in a minute Bally Bowden they've lost I think they lost one game all year a semi-final of the league against Bally, uh, Ballymont Kickhams. The final of the league? Uh, the final of the league, sorry. Yeah. And they've been flying all year other than that. And again, when you look at uh, their dominant periods of games, it's in the last kind of quarter yeah. that they tend to push on. And no doubt Kilke would have prepared for that. Again, they, they had a couple of opportunities. The m- momentum was going with them a couple of times, but a few poor turnovers, missed opportunities. And in fairness to Kilku, when they did win the possession back, they were so calm. With the ball, they were getting the right guys uh, onto the football. Uh, Conor Laverty, another guy he that He dropped back really well. He yeah. dropped really well. Um, a very clever coming out, throwing the old uh, arm around the defender and drawing the free and sore head and whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Playing the game as you do and slowing it down in the last couple of minutes. But uh, a very, very entertaining game. And, uh, uh, yeah, delighted to see Kill Q go in. That's probably my, 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 my double club. Uh, You're retired uh, now. Uh, I'm retired now, I can say it now. But... Uh, but parents to Bowden, they're, they're, they're still the last Dublin club to win 
a club all Ireland, I think twenty fifteen, sixteen. So uh, yeah, fair play to them too. But look, they'll be disappointed. It was a good opportunity for them as well. Well, that's the thing. Listen, at the end of the day, Kilcoo are a small little village team, so you would be delighted to see the underdog kind. You know, the small little mm. limited resources and all that. But like, I saw something in this game that I'd never seen before in Gaelic football, and I hope I have this right now. But it was Colin Baskell was taking a free kick, and he was terrible on the freeze in the first half. Like when Bally wouldn't look back on it at all, the chances they missed. And then you look at a Kilku didn't miss the same level of chances, and then you're saying Kilku were, were the Kilku the better team, or did they just take their chances better? I think that's pretty much what it was. But Pascal had this free, and he missed it, and he had missed one before that. And then all of a sudden, the linesman walks out into the field and gets the referee's attention, and this freeze brought up 30 meters. Now they showed a replay of it. And I was thinking, what's happened here? Because I didn't notice anything wrong with this on the other camera angle. The two lads in front of it didn't really move. There was nothing really untoward there. The only thing you could see is that a Kilku player walked behind uh, Colin Baskell. Now, I don't... Colin Baskell might have slightly caught him in his... He didn't walk up past him like we often see players do trying to play the game and put him off. He walked behind him. And for me, the linesman got the referee's attention and brought that up because he walked behind him within 30 metres because the rule is for the a free kick is brought up 30 metres if an opposing player is nearer than 13 metres to the ball before a free kick or a sideline kick is taken now it doesn't say free 30 metres in front of the ball so there must be like a radius of 13 metres around it the GA will probably rectify that maybe uh, for next season no it's the first time I've ever seen it we've all seen fellas walking alongside a guy uh, try to run across in front of him putting the hands up uh, in front of the kicker but certainly at first seeing the guy kind of going in behind him probably it was a clever tactic from Kilku they obviously discussed it because the two fellas in front of uh, Colley when he was looking to take the shot and they were throwing a bit of movement in themselves and as Colley was again trying uh, on the instep in the right foot making that angled run before he struck the ball the Kilku guy was just mirroring him going the opposite direction and yeah. trying to get as you said uh, trying to get into the uh, yeah. Maybe he shouted something at him. Maybe we're not yeah. being fair on this. It's hard. It's hard to know. You know, I don't. I don't. I'd never seen anything like that before. Had you? And it just looked no. like such a soft kind of like he knocked over the, the free. Had missed the free. Yeah. And it was Jesus. Like because a couple of things had gone against Kaku at that stage, and it was like Jesus. Ballyboden had got a couple of soft frees. Yeah, uh, it was definitely an interesting one. But in fairness to the Kaku guys, they're obviously thinking about the game. How can we get into this fella's head? Uh, the two Basquells doing most of the scoring for Ballyboden in, in their campaign. I think they kicked eight again between them in the in the in the game on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I suppose Kilkew were trying something something different, and I suppose the Northern teams are are, are known uh, probably more so for the, the dark arts, or they certainly used to be known for the dark arts. And you'll see a couple of other squads probably copying off them now going forward. You know? Yeah, no, they definitely. Are. Ah, look, that caught on everywhere. Those dark arts, but yeah. I do agree, it originated with I think Armagh and then Armagh, Tyrone yeah. and then kind of Donegal. Sp- spread to- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, it spread to everybody unfair, else as well. Yeah. No, we're completely blaming them, but it definitely, it definitely started up there. Uh, five black cards in the game. Aaron Waters, what was he thinking? Only on the field. No need for him to do that at yeah. all. So that was a black card. No complaints. And you can only assume he was frustrated maybe not starting the game because Arden Waters would have started a lot of Bowden's games up to this point. Uh, obviously coming in trying to make an impression. Hand passes the ball off, going for, for the return. I think it was Conor Laverty. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Laverty, was he really checking him? He actually had to go out of his way to push him. No, uh, but what about Because I think it was, he was nearly, by, when he hand passed the ball, Waters, he was still 10 yards from the Kilku player, if it was Laverty. And uh, the Kilku player uh, definitely uh, took the line a bit like the uh, 
the forwards with a Gary Owen being kicked uh, from the out uh, yeah. from the scrum half. You know, they're, they're not allowed to block them overtly, but they can drift, 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 so to speak. Yeah. But uh, but it was silly from Waters, and I can only uh, imagine it was down to frustration and frustration. It looked like that because all yeah. Waters has to do there is take a step the other side, and he's gone. He had all the momentum. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It like yeah. he, he was gone. Michael Dara. Probably technically uh, a black as well. Yeah, uh, again, probably born out of frustration coming to the latter stages. Of the, uh, Didn't play well at all, did he? Well, well, that's the the, the points, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's more in Michael Dower. Maybe sometimes when the pitch is a bit uh, harder, his kind of his direct running style is, is more um, of a weapon. Yeah, or more of a weapon, yeah. and, and, and 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 quite often on the heavier pitch, and he is that probably he's into his thirties now as well. So you're not getting away from fitter guys, or but not so much fitter guys, but younger guys as quickly as he used to. But again, probably frustrated and silly. Uh, Dillon Wall yeah, lined up on him as well and he has the athleticism to stay with him and yeah. you know what I mean get around yeah. the field with him as well Daryl Brannigan got one too and that looked like Stonewall black as well yeah. and there was two late ones Conor Laverty and young McAvoy who uh, they were obvious ones as well pulling down Daryl Brannigan had to get it couldn't have any complaints with all the black cards like I mean that's just No and, 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 and Brannigan you know you could have said it was a loss um, to Cuckoo again we talked about him in the lead up to the match him breaking Forward from the wing back position, he obviously got his goal too before he, he uh, received the black card. But Kilku uh, handled it well. The last two, like you mentioned, you're just taking it for the team at that stage, trying to slow down the clock. Yeah, I think there's maybe four or five minutes of extra or injury time was played um, past the sixty. And uh, yeah, you understand what's you understand what's going on there. Here's one I want to ask you about because you're a centre half back um, for most of your career. Played a little bit on the wing there as well. Like to get up a, and go outside of the left. Um, Kick it wide. <laughs> <laughs> but here's one because I got a bit of criticism on Twitter about this because someone had sent me this about Bob Dwan had a big hit on Dylan Wall in the first half. Now, Dylan Wall takes a pop pass and you could say it was almost a bit too far for him. By the time he collected it, he was practically on top of Bob Dwan. Now, Bob Dwan had a decision to make. What am I going to do here? Do I put my hands out and let him run into my chest and knock me down? Or do I set up to try and give him a good hit myself? So he did that. By the time Dylan Wall had caught the ball and set himself, he just about started to bring his shoulder down for the hit and uh, Bob Dwan got him on the inside of the shoulder and the ball spilled out and people were saying to me, you haven't a clue what you're talking about, that was a frontal hit. And I was like, it wasn't, it was a good hit. That's what you want you know, yeah. your, your defender to do, take him out. So the referee didn't give a free at all. So I'm wondering from your point of view, who would have faced that scenario so many times, what are you meant to do there? Well, again, to give... A very relative and contrasting uh, scenario in, in in the first game. I think it was Gary Sice came through of a pop ball um, um, off uh, Martin Farrer and the full back for Nemo, number 30 on whoever it was, he hit him in a similar kind of uh, manner and it was a free in. Uh, Gary Sice, yeah, he, he took a few minutes to kind of uh, get himself uh, back together. It was a nice hit. In hurling, those hits are allowed, uh, they're permitted, they, they take place. In Gaelic football, it used to be the norm, it's not anymore. So, again, a couple of years ago, remember with Dublin, one of our targets, and even the club, you're, you're trying to limit the amount of score free you give the opposition, say. So, we looked at what's, what's being given as a free now and trying to adapt uh, your tackle technique to the referee on right. the day. And there's only so many decent kind of inter-county referees out there. Uh, and you kind of get used to how they uh, police the collision area, and you got to just take the hits like that now on your chest. So you got to open yourself up. 
uh, take the hit in your chest and a bit like uh, a charge, frontal charge in, in, in basketball, if you go back in your your backside, you're You'll hoping get the that, uh, that you get the free. Right. Um, so the idea that traditionally it's a centre-back, if he's coming down the middle, make sure yeah, you hit no him hard, that, through, yeah. that's gone now. Because when someone takes a pop pass close to you, that's a perfect opportunity to go bang. Exactly. Right? And, and the only person I see, and you can add to this if you... Um, have seen anything else uh, yourself, Willie, but James McCarthy is the only person I see hitting a decent shoulder to shoulder yeah, yeah. charge. But you have to be timing a run alongside a guy or coming in maybe at an angle. Uh, but both fellas have to be going in the in the same direction. I don't think that's in the rules, but it has to be shoulder to shoulder, I think uh, is what's written down in the rules. But it's about kind of timing it as well, uh, as best you can. But nine times out of ten, uh, a free is given in. Yeah, free yeah. given, yeah. And given that's the thing. In, so. And another dangerous thing of doing what Duan did, that if Dylan Wall cops him a bit earlier, if he sidesteps him, he's out of picture and he's gone past him. So there, yeah, yeah. the timing has to be perfect on that. So I don't know. I would, I would be, while Duan did rattle him, maybe it was a free. I'll change my mind on that. But like, I mean, for a, for a free, Dylan Wall's completely rattled and it's not the worst outcome in the world, even if it is a free. You know, the ref didn't give it as a free, but um, I don't know. I'd still, I would still be saying... If it's out around that area, give him a good record. And, and, and I fully agree with you, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit riskier uh, closer you are to your own goal. Yeah, yeah, stupid in there. Yeah. Any closer to goal, you're being, yeah. Yeah, you're being reckless at that stage. Did you notice this on the television? I didn't notice this. I'm sure you did, considering that you've played in club football, is James Madden came on. And I didn't know, they called him Seamus O'Madine. Yeah, I was talking brilliant. to one of the lads this morning about that. So that's obviously uh, for the, I don't think any AFL fellas will be listening to this podcast. He's with Brisbane. Already, apparently, he got, yeah. apparently he got permission. He got permission, did he? Yeah, I okay, think, yeah. Well, I think he did. I think he did. But if he didn't get permission, they're playing a silly game there because it was copped. I don't know who copped yeah. it anyways, but well, Seamus he, he got, o, he got a yellow. He, he'd only come on and he got his yellow. And uh, he. that's when I actually noticed his name popping up then. Uh there's another fella, Shane. Is it James Madden? Um, Shane Madden, who actually played senior hurling with uh, Bally Bowden. Right. He was, he, he was in UCD and he played a bit of football as well. For a moment, I thought it was him, but uh, it was definitely James Madden having yeah, come back. Yeah, very good one. So hopefully he's not in trouble. I think Brisbane lines are a little bit less uh, strict. It depends on the club you play with, mm. um, obviously. Anthony Rainbow said after the game, because obviously he's talking about the wides at the end, and you don't associate that. Against Aerog, they were lethal. Against Nafina, they were lethal. Against all these teams, they're coming back. And Lately says their scenario. He's talking about some of the wides at the end. He said there are scenarios we work in in training because we knew we'd be in those in the game. We put ourselves in that scenario in the last few minutes of the game, but we just didn't work ourselves out of it as well as the last couple of games. And I think I think that was it. It was interesting that so they're in training. I'm sure they're they're working through a situation where there's 13 defenders back. And mm-hmm. he says, right, you've three minutes left. We're a point down. Blow the whistle and let's see how they work out. Mm-hmm. And usually they work it pretty well and they did work it well yesterday they just didn't execute and put it over the bar yeah and you have to give credit to Kuku again over the course of the 60 minutes they were putting savage pressure on the the ball carrier Um, the whole time they weren't letting fellas settle they were uh, blocking runners off the ball out of the referees um, uh, peripheral vision leaving the linesmen but they were doing everything that they needed to do not to let the ballyboden players uh, settle and uh, evidence of that is the fact that they missed those couple of frees and the few opportunities that they were kicking in the previous game uh, in the la- latter stage of matches and coupled with the black cards that they received Bally Bowden were frustrated and that frustration 
was was born out of hard work, a lot of it off the ball stuff that the Kilku players yeah. uh, were, were, were putting in. Uh, they, they matched Ballyboden's work rate really, didn't oh, yeah. they? And they they actually raised them. They matched them and raised them a little sum as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And and then the bit of hunger, the stuff that is hard to quantify sometimes. Uh, Kilku have never been there. I'm not saying that Bowden didn't want it as much, but when you haven't tasted it at all before, yeah. Sometimes there can be something else driving you on uh, yeah. to get over the line, and and I think that would have uh, added to Kilku's uh, energy levels uh, throughout the whole game. It was their, their first goal came from a turnover, so um, it was a great pass by Aidan Brannigan, and then Connor Laverty just a lovely little flick down, opened the whole thing up. Yeah. He's so clever, Laverty, isn't he? We keep yeah. remind keep comparing him to Ian Burke with Galway. You just small, but just always does the right thing and is smart. And it was a great finish by Ryan Johnson at the end. I was reading it was 22 seconds from the time Bally Bowden were turned over to when it went, when it was scored in the back of the net. Like, I mean, that's fantastic stuff. I know it is. And again, it's something that we've seen from Kuku and again, defensive uh, teams that set up quite defensively. One of the things they target is to turn the opposition over and just break as quick as you can. Everyone who's involved in the play, just off you go and get up and support the runner off the shoulder. Uh, but again a lovely finish Ryan Johnson actually had a super game he was very strong for them throughout and he was in and possession he was carrying very, the ball forward too. very very good very very athletic very mm. good on the ball his brother I'd be worried about his form Jerome he was he was very poor now you know he's an inter-county level player and he didn't look at yesterday yeah uh, or Saturday and uh, and again that's where you need the, the rest of the, your teammates to probably pick up the slack when uh, an individual doesn't perform and, and, and I, that's probably something that the Bowden players will be disappointing themselves. You know, th- again, Collie and, 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 uh, and Ryan, they, they kicked eight, they still missed a few but a lot of other players probably didn't, not probably, they didn't show up as well as they had in previous games for Bally Bowden and, um, and like you mentioned, um, one player doesn't perform, he might be a big name uh, that's when other guys need to step up to the plate but uh, to go back to Laverty again Connor's about I think he's 34 or 5 at this stage and extremely fit and obviously extremely hungry then as well Yeah. but uh, you know, I, I think he's a huge player for them he's every, he every, every, everything that's good about Kilku uh, goes through them and you can see him talking as well the whole time yeah, yeah. defensively and getting himself back and like that the last 10-15 minutes of the match amount of balls and that he picked up as well and directing play and winning frees and slowing the play down obviously took his black heart then as well at the end you know? that was very good management as well to bring him out because he you know he's so important to their game plan going forward but it wasn't the time for that kind of nice ball into him yeah. it was batting down the hatches type of thing and he was great. did you ever like, like, Collie Baskell it was uh, Daryl Brannigan man marked him and geez, he did a brilliant job on him like Collie Baskell did nothing from open play Mm. Now when he made, he got a few great frees towards the end, but I was he was absolutely kind of he was just wasn't in the game at all, and then started making me think that if he is man marked like that, and why is he not making the Dublin team when he's like seriously talented player? And then you know, like we spoke about here before, maybe he needs to adapt, change his game, add other other elements to his game other than getting the ball and going on a run with it. Yeah, and and, and again, that's the difference between. Senior club football and, and, and inter county football the guys at inter county level, Division One, Two. Anyway, they're they're physically fit, um, well conditioned, and they're able to stick it Stay out. Stay with you, exactly. Yeah. Uh, technically, they might be lacking maybe in Division Two uh, in terms of ability, but they can stick it out. And and what we saw with Daryl Brannigan then as well, extremely fit guy. Uh, I, I assume he watched um, Collie's performances, certainly in the latter stage of games where his uh, direct opponent, Collie's direct opponent, was fatiguing. Uh, and then that's when the bit of space opened up. But it's easier to manage a player who is looking to take players on. 
uh, he is very talented Colin Fairnesson but again at inter-county level you have to probably develop and evolve a bit more uh, to keep the opposition defender and defence thinking about what you're going to do Yeah definitely Darryl Brennan got a brilliant goal it was a brilliant finish there was an element of luck Dylan Ward was going for a point mm. that came back off the bar but like from there he he fairly buried it into the bottom corner didn't he yeah. for a wing back Yeah I know he was very it was a brilliant ca- finish He was very calm composed uh, again, they He made had it look couple. easy it's not that easy to rocket it into the bottom corner from there is no, it? No no because there's a lot at stake a lot of pressure at stake and, and, and you need to have What's it? Is it fire in the belly, ice in the mind? As you hear people trying about yeah. over the years, and, and he certainly had the ice in the mind just to uh, ensure that he didn't bloody just uh, lash it over the bar, uh, which can happen sometimes with the with defenders. But uh, that was a, another huge uh, moment in the game as well, and it just put more pressure on Bowden the whole time and added to the frustration that was probably growing within their own team that they weren't getting the scores or um, some of the things they were trying weren't coming off. But uh, yeah. But great think, finish, that no, was a great finish. But the yeah. thing about that, why it was such a great finish, and you know, with players that aren't used to being up there, say you're one on one with the goalkeeper, what, what I was technically, what I always do wrong, I'm terrible for scoring goals, brutal. I take my eye off the ball, like I'm, I'm, I'm not used to being in those situations, so I could look at a goalie, I could, I'm not looking technically at the ball. There was two players in front of him, which easily could have taken his eye off the ball, and then there was the goalkeeper, and he still was able to put it down into that bottom corner. Like, it, it was, I, I, don't, I don't know, I just think if I had been in that position, this, that could go anywhere, because I'm yeah. not, I, technically you have to, it's like a golf shot, you have to watch the ball, anybody listening yeah. obviously knows that, but uh, the amount of players that, take their eye off the ball and, and you know, screw it off their route. Well, the percentage of shots, if you were to look back at the All-Ireland uh, series, or f- say from the Super 8s just gone up to and including the All-Ireland final uh, replay, the majority of goals that go in uh, is, is rolled along the ground. They're, they're the percentage shots. The ones that fly in top corner or fly past the keeper because so much power, you know, they don't always come off. But the percentage shots... I'm sure if, if anyone's a listener, someone doing a bit of research there, but the time wants to look back over the, all those games or to, to look at where the goals went, it is the controls and yeah. place in the corner. Even Conor Callan's goals in the semi final, two examples then of. Uh, well, he never blasts the ball. He doesn't even blast points. He no. just, everything he does is just dropping over the bar, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, He's the ultimate Jim Gavin percentage man. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, we want to talk about this other game. There's not too much more to say about this. I don't think Corrafin were at their brilliant best in any anyway. They had the job done after 18 minutes or 1-4 to no score up. There's no way back for Nemo at that stage. I know the Corrafin players weren't thinking that. But if you went out with Nemo Rangers before that game and said you'd keep Corrafin to 1-10, you would be thinking to yourselves, geez, we have a great chance here, lads. This is fantastic. But their forwards never showed up. No, nah, they, were, they were poor Nemo. A lot of players didn't, didn't perform well for them. Again, when we talked about it in the lead up to the game, you, you were hoping that Corfin might draw on the uh, embarrassment slash disappointment of, of 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 being hammered by fifteen points in the All Ireland final two years previous, and that would uh, drive the standard or drive the intensity. Yeah. But from the from the throw from the throw in, they just look flat, Nemo. A lot of guys. Even Inexcusable that they were flat. Yeah. Knowing that revenge was their motivation and in a lovely little tight ground like Ennis where yeah. they can get those hits in early. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, they they just underperformed. Were, yeah. Did they train too hard over the Christmas? Uh, obviously, we don't know what schedule they were uh, they were following, but they looked heavy-legged. They looked without ideas. But even some of the early shots in the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, there were, were panic shots out on the wing, skewing off the foot. Um 
there was nobody really taking leadership. I think of of, uh, no. of the play again akin to the likes of Laverty or, or, or Ryan Johnson's who, who were trying to get on the ball and dictate things. They just were very very flat. Uh, Cora Finn, they definitely came down to the pace of the game. I would have said once they had. Uh, that's what was it one what's it one three or one four one four to no score after um, eighty minutes. I think Nemo didn't score until nearly half. It was nearly half time before they even got a point for yeah. play. It was their uh, corner forward um, Horgan got one number fifteen and I, celebrated it. A celebrate. I think it was twenty four minutes. I remember. Yeah, uh, as I was watching it, I think it was twenty four minutes in the clock. Uh, left left footed point. Nothing to be celebrating there, mate. There's nothing to be celebrating <laughs> there. But 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 even their handling the balls into the forwards balls were sloppy. It was it was. Very, but maybe the issue is with the Munster Championship. I know we talked about it briefly off yeah. air. Munster must have been ridiculously poor because Neo obviously didn't get a decent uh, test uh, if they got to an All Ireland uh, club semi final uh, to play at that level of football, that level of intensity. Yeah, because uh, they were they could have been blown out of the water. If that was all our in final day again in Crow Park, they were getting the same treatment. They were getting they even, were, even even yeah, worse. Like, yeah. you know? they were terrible. In Horgan's defence, it was more of a celebration. Come on, lads! Let's rather than you know, I'm celebrating my point. Um, I have to give him a little bit of credit. The there. old hurlers but, fist bump. The hurlers love, uh, love that. Don't oh yeah, yeah, they absolutely love it. Yeah, the Radic Barcelona boys read it yesterday yeah. as well. We actually talked or. I'm actually going to say to Brian uh, Carroll in part two, there was actually the first ever fist pump hook. So it was uh, McCormack, Bursley wing back, fist pumped, and then went to fist pump again. And uh, Thomas's player, uh, one of the Burks, got annoyed with this and actually tried to grab his hand to stop him fist pumping the second time. So <laughs> it's just reached new levels yeah, now yeah. where we're getting fist pump hooks. But it was Paul Carrigan and Luke Connolly. Let's be honest, they're their two talisman. That's their Mossy Quinn and their mm. uh, Connolly. Like, that's the reality of it. And they, neither of them showed up. And Luke Connolly, uh, a wild effort or two in the first half, and then a bit of panic sets in, and Paul Carrigan's not in it. And Liam Silk was marauding forward and bringing Connolly with him and Nemo surely should have had a plan for there's a very good chance Liam Silk will be marking Connolly or Kerrigan what's going to happen when he bombs forward do we want Connolly back in the backs marking him no do you know it didn't yeah. I don't know it, 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 it was it was like a, a group of fellas kind of showing up uh, having played with each other say last year they've had a Christmas break and should we get going again and here's our first nearly challenge game and we'll figure stuff out yeah, there, was, yeah. there was no structure like, no. It, was, it was hard to tell what they were trying to achieve uh, even in how they're moving the ball and again when you see your main players now Kerrigan picked up a few plays but he's picking them out around the middle of the pitch and he was throwing his one-twos but there was not a whole lot coming from it yeah. but Luke Connolly as you mentioned one or two away with shots in, in early 45 as well and again when your better players are underperforming like that that that, that uh, lack of confidence can kind of uh, trickle down into the rest of the team which it certainly did but uh no, you'd, you'd be like Nemo are better than that, surely. But um, you'd be disappointed for them. I'm sure they're disappointed themselves. But uh, they 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 just really underperformed. And core fame were probably in second or third. Yeah, yeah, I think they were. And it's almost like Nemo knowing how what a great club were. They're almost like they were in fear of Corrafin. Like they were beaten before they went out. They were beaten. Docking. Then the Corrafin goal after 33 seconds wouldn't have helped their confidence. And that was a beautiful goal. That yeah. that's them at their very best, right? Yeah. This is them moving the ball fast. Faraher, which is just a lovely, clever ball. Like, I mean, you could make that run with different teams and not even have a hope of getting that pass. Do yeah. you know what I mean? He, they could, other teams might recycle that back out. Yeah. He's not, he's going for the juggler there. And Lundy knows that Faraher, you know, wants to give the right ball and makes that run. And he just floats it lovely, you know, into, into his path. It's a, it's, and it's a lovely style of play. And having lost the core fan, I think uh, maybe four 
years ago in the semi-final in, in was it Tullamore like they're playing the same style of football they've nearly the same players and Kieran Fitzgerald who's still going he must be thinking he's 39 39 is he fair play to him. 39 on New Year's Day was he fair so play it's a terrible him. birthday for any Gaelic footballer uh, or hurler yeah. you're a yeah, year yeah. Be- nearly a year behind everyone on New Year's yeah true enough but uh, but they their wing forwards uh, hug the touch lines which leaves little pockets between the wing forward and the centre forward and if the outlet ball is non, if, if the guys are being marked at wing forward, there's a massive pocket for your two guys, generally speaking, they kept up there, um, to run into either side of the D. And then the likes of Sice and then Lundy for the goal, just cutting off at a corner at an angled run. I think Gary Sice is brilliant in as well, um, when he had to be. Yeah, uh, he had a great battle with uh, Donovan fell actually. There was a bit of needle between the two of them. Yeah, and he took a few smacks, Sice, and I, I, I very fond of him as a, as a player. Now. I'm a uh, big fan of his. He yeah. just gets up now. He, yeah. he just he takes it. This is part of the game. He doesn't stand down either. But then he puts the ball over the bar. He, he's kicking his frees. He, he's uh, he's causing all sorts uh, sort of mayhem in the opposition defence. He but, kicked uh, one free badly in the first half, and I was thinking, surely one of the Farahers would have t- would have taken that. He took an awful. Uh, hit mm. maybe that was the one you were talking about and then it, yeah. he gets up and he actually shook his head to to I don't know shake the cobwebs out of his head and then yeah. missed a, re- a, like a simple free for him yeah uh, and then again the sign of a great player then the next free gets uh, got it, yeah. slightly further out then he he sticks it over but uh, they've an awful lot of quality uh, have have, have had to do in and, and, uh, they do Jesus they, they do they didn't get a decent challenge now would a, a Bally Bowden or Kilku have taken Corfin on Saturday if they're playing against them? Possibly, if they didn't, if, uh, if uh, Corfin didn't up the intensity. But then again, Corfin, they probably respond to sometimes what's in front of That's you. That's the and thing. We've all been there, you're cruising, nice and comfortable. Because um, Guidor were the Kilku last year and yeah. Corfin, you know, got yeah. to that pitch of that when they needed to. They needed you know, to, and yeah. now obviously they're going to Crow. I'd say you would love to have met them in Croke Park and one of your best years and have a good because I always thought when you were going well and Curif- I was saying just meet them in a, a, just a final in Croke Park would be fantastic yeah it would have been, it would have been great and probably play similar style of football yeah. and trying to kick the uh, pass the, uh, the ball forward as, uh, as soon as possible and, and let the forwards kind of do the damage but uh, yeah they got us uh, I'd they bet as well. In, in they got you when they're unknown. I wanted you to meet each other in yeah. the next two years, maybe in a yeah, final. Yeah. You know, when you had both won one. And I think we got back the next year. Uh, Slackney better yeah. than the semi final up and up and up and down. But again, we were poor that day too. Slackney were good, but uh, yeah, it would have been nice, all right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Didn't wasn't, happen, wasn't, wasn't didn't meant to be yeah. but it would have been nice for me it would have been a lot nicer for you I'm yeah. sure come here just to finish up Pat Splam was writing in the Sunday <laughs> World I don't often comment on Sunday World articles there's loads of other news coming out from the weekend now and we're going to talk about them on Thursday Cottle McShane obviously we'll just do this as a review show and we'll go through all the news of the week on Thursday but this, this Pat Spillane one was interesting because I, w- I was there myself he says on Friday before Christmas I bumped into a Kerry footballer at a wedding I couldn't help but notice the player wasn't drinking alcohol apparently he wasn't allowed because he had training the next day five days before Christmas this was another example of how ludicrous the whole inter-county circus has become I was at that wedding and I know the the Kerry player I was talking to him and he wasn't drinking it was the 20th of December Mm. and he didn't drink because he trained the next day now it would be one of the younger players and whether he said I have whether he asked the permission or whether he felt he couldn't ask you know you know when young players Mm. they wouldn't be able to say to the manager can I drink the night before that? You just wouldn't even think to do it. You're still, you know, too young to be making those calls. I just thought it was cruel. On the 20th of December, Ger, yeah. and this fella's drinking minerals at a wedding. You know, when everyone else is in the Christmas spirit, 
Yeah, and, and and there's probably two things there. You're looking at the player himself, who's obviously he was a younger guy trying to. He's dedicated, established. obviously dedicated player. He's dedicated, so he's looking at these. Now I know the F, uh, not the FBD. What's the one down in Munster? Sorry, the oh the McGrath Cup. McGrath Cup. Now I know the under twenties are uh, seem to be are in that. Yeah. But you're you're from my own memories. The first couple of years on the, on the panel, I, I I drank very little. Um, and I, I soon learned as I got a bit older, but uh, that was silly. But you drank very little over that period because you're trying to make a name for yourself in the in the early stages or the couple of challenges that you might have yeah. and get into a league panel or get into a league uh, for 15. So that's one thing from the player's point of view. Then the other thing is the whole fixture schedule is still a mess. Yeah. In my view, uh, putting the uh, these provisional competitions, playing a couple of rounds before Christmas, I think is just wholly unfair. The National League could start a week later, I think. Uh, the under twenties been football being moved back to to late January into February, and then an under twenties league is thrown in 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 January. This is my third level attack coming through here <laughs> as well. Yeah. But but um, looking at an individual, like most inter county players now, uh, this is something like eighty percent of them are, are involved in third level uh, uh, education. So they're all playing Gaelic football or hurling at some level, and some guys then are playing for probably five teams if they're on the. Uh, freshers in college or the senior team in college they're on the under 20s they're on the seniors with the club and the county and it's, it's been the same problem when you were in college in Minute, so I was in Minute as well uh, you're playing for six teams then uh, over the course of a couple of months now as a young player you, you play you don't mind but uh, I would agree with Pat's plan like it's, 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 it's a massive problem and So how do you fix just this issue here right so the, should the manager have a training session on the 20th the 20th was a Saturday mm-hmm. Like, for all we know, the Kerry manager might have given them all the next week off and said, take the Christmas week off, but we'll have a, a training session that Saturday. The player had a wedding on the Friday. So the solution to this, the manager's not, potentially not wrong having a training session Saturday, if that's his last one before Christmas or whatever. Mm-hmm. The player um, can't go drinking and land to training with a smell of drink off the next day. That's just raw. It's, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be landing in at, yeah. in this day and age. So the solution for anybody, I don't know, listening, is for the player to go to the manager and say, I have a wedding. Can you give me a pass? I'll train on, you know, I'll do my own thing on Sunday. And I would imagine 80% of the managers at inter-county level in December would say, go on ahead. Wouldn't they? Um, no? I, I would they say- should. What are you going to do in December, in the middle of December, anyways? What you're, yeah, like it is a tough one. I, I, I think the, 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 um, the question shouldn't be left to be answered to the player or the intercounty manager. I think the question should be asked of Crow Park and and, uh, and the guys organising the fixtures to ensure that there is a, a decent break over the Christmas period for guys to have their a uh, couple of beers or whatever or let their hair down. But again, That's as a, a training break and a match and a yeah, yeah, and, yeah. So it makes sense, like uh, certainly to me. Uh, as a, but what, as a if, what if this what if this wedding landed in April? Mm. You know, and you had a similar situation. Well, as a player, you're looking at your goals. Like we've all forgone weddings. Uh, my my wife, when we're going out of the time, like she would have had friends getting married and. Uh, I know it's terrible, but there's times I was delighted I had training on because <laughs> I didn't have to no go. No one because wants to go to their partner's <laughs> side's weddings. You know, like, but, but unless you're going for a few beers and you, you bump into one or two fellas who are into the, you get the through it. and you get through it. So we, we've all been there, right? But but uh, again, as a player, what are your goals? Like, so are your goals to have a few beers and chase a few women at a at a wedding? Probably not. Like your your goals are to be as fit as you can, mind yeah, yeah. body and. 
Um, there's a lot of the sports science. Uh, what would you call it? It's, it's probably been used a bit better now in GA, where you don't have a massive off season. Your off season is tapered, but you're still minding yourself a bit so that when you come back into the pre season and the increase in training load, you're not uh, putting yourself at risk of injury, which is what happened even your senior county when I started with uh, Dublin as well. The fellas were carrying big nets, just coming back after the Christmas and come championship, it would have been gone yeah. often. But those same fellas had a couple of hamstring or groin injuries in the early couple of weeks of training because. They, they don't they're too far back they're yeah. too far back so so it's only element, so it's, 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 only it's a tough one yeah, yeah. it's only it's only the, the you would have no issues with this any way through the year only around Christmas time it's you know it's yeah. a bit too it's probably a bit too much it's probably highlighted when you see the chap um, the 20th of December and he's drinking a mineral at a wedding when he should yeah. really be relaxing and being able to put the feet up at that point exactly and I know Ryan McMenamin made some comments about playing games in December is, is, is ridiculous you know, you know December or even November depending on what stage you're knocked out of the championship it is where and if your club is finished it is important to be doing a pre-season or a strength block in the gym and getting your bit of running done without yeah. tipping away at your own pace tipping away yeah. exactly staying, at your, fit. Staying, staying fit and having your couple of beers here and there but then when you're when Crow Park Again, are putting fixtures on slap bang in the middle of December and early January. Uh, How can you ask managers not to train? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It so, so true. it's unfair, and the managers are unfair, and the players. It's unfair on everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah especially yeah. the player in question. Yeah. Right, great stuff, Jer. We're going to leave it there for the football, and we'll come back with Brian Carroll and talk about the hurling next. You can't touch this. A few weeks later, they played Kilkenny below Nolan Park. The same year. And oh, they were being hockey. But the camera went in. There was a fellow warming up. Jesus, you should see him. He was massive. Legs, ass, bit. And I burst out laughing. There he was, the epitome of what I said. I told you, homeboy. You can't touch this. All right, so welcome to the hurling part of the show. Brian Carroll has replaced Ger Brennan. Ger's gone. Brian's here. Um, who was up in Newry yesterday, Brian? Yeah. Oh, what a game. I knew it was going to be a cracker because I'd seen Slock Neal in the Ulster final up there when they beat the lie. So I knew they, had, they were going to bring a serious kind of battle to that game. I thought the 11 to 1 odds were crazy. Yeah. Um, didn't think they'd win it, but I knew they would. Did, did give them a serious serious battle and the five points at the end was harsh on them yeah no it definitely well that was Colin Fennelly's late goal like they were made sweat yeah. the whole way like Slocknail did ran Ballyhale closer than anyone in Leinster in the last two years and probably anyone in the All-Ireland series as well like I mean it, that shouldn't be underestimated what they did yesterday no serious side and you feel for Slocknail because in the three All-Ireland semi-finals they've played they've played Kula Napiershing and Ballyhale like a <laughs> like you're literally talking the three best club teams over the last five or six years they've been very very unfortunate and like I think they would have they would have beaten any of the other two teams I think yesterday with the performance that they put in Yeah it seemed to be like that I saw Porrick Lodge who was doing the commentary for RT you were up there with him he said he tweeted afterwards he said the GA should consider playing this year's Alliance Hurling League final at an Ulster venue he met loads of families in Newry yesterday parents with hurling mad children saying they rarely get a chance to bring them to a top level hurling game in the province did you have that same experience there? Yeah it was unbelievable the amount of um you know, people from Antrim and Down and Derry, and they were all in their own club colours. Right. Know, just purely up to enjoy the game. Obviously, see maybe the likes of TJ Reid, Colin Fenley, and Michael Fenley up, up close. But um, it was amazing, actually, and, and to, to speak to a few of them. So, 
you know, you you forget that side of things when you're down here, um, down this side of the country, and you know, it's easily accessible to all these games. Um, Nori's a great spot, great field, um, nice stand, good terraces, everything like that. Bit of a bottleneck to get out of, but um, apart from that, it's a it's a fantastic venue actually, and you know, I'm sure the police will be able to help with the with the match day arrangements in terms of a, a la- if it was a larger scale traffic game, I'm sure they're used to that sort of thing. So yeah, um, it, it is a really good venue, and look, it's just off the menu off the motorway as well, so it's like it, it is an option. I think it's something that could be explored. The Porrick Fanning, former Waterford manager, tweeted after the game as well. Now this is something I usually throw to Cheddar to get him going and start giving out about uh, this kind of stuff. So he said today's game in Newry should serve as a reminder to the GA at national level that they are failing hurling in Ulster. The fact that Schlocknail again produced a performance of such quality owes more to their organisation, love of the game, than anything we have done at national level. And it's hard to disagree with him. Like, Schlocknail are a huge example for any club in the country. We know that. But for them to get a hurling team to play at a level like that against Ballyhill Shamrocks, you know, it just shows what can be done if the will is there. Yeah, and obviously you see the same with the with all the Antrim teams as well. You know, these are serious hurling people, and geographically it's against them because it's it's hard to travel to get good practice matches. You know, I've I've heard plenty of stories of the top teams up there coming down for full weekends down south and playing a couple of matches, maybe one of a Friday, a guest training session, maybe of a Saturday, and playing another practice match of a Sunday. Like that's a huge commitment as well as obviously a huge. Um, overlay in terms of the, the cost and the, and the spending that's needed to, to require to keep these teams at the top level but look we've seen it over the last number of years particularly in in, 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 um, in the Hurland side you cannot write off any of these teams you know you're talking Cush and Dahl Schlock Neil Lock Eel obviously I know fierce well to be those in the, in the club all Ireland as well yeah. um, Dunn Live have come, have come down over the years and done it as well these are serious serious Hurland teams and yeah. like they're as good as anyone in the country I think there is obviously a Hurling snobbery from that perspective that you know they look at these teams and think maybe they're not up to it and we've probably seen that in, in the intermediate as well the Turin for Mayo a fantastic hurling club you know and they put um, Father Niels to the pin or their collar in that another semi-final too yeah. and people will be slow to maybe acknowledge that, that, that they are hurling people and that's their first and foremost and that's their bread and butter well, for, Father O'Neill's had two men sent off actually that's a, that, was a, that was an interesting talking point from that game I was going to mention it later but might as well mention it now they, they were both straight reds so I'd yeah. say uh, Tommy Walsh and Co will be absolutely delighted with that. Like I mean, that's yeah. a, that's their that's their number ten and their number fifteen. I think they're two wing forward and their corner forward gone for the final unless they can appeal it. Yeah, they are going to appeal as far as I know. Um, and and you know, look again, we've talked this before. But like I know very little about that game only for a, a match report, apart from seeing the buff. You know, yeah. the buff was added again, and you get to see some of the clips. And we saw probably one of the points of the weekend, Decky Dalton flicking it up with his foot and. Throwing a lovely sidestep, sending three lads the wrong way. Well, just to, under, just, just to understand that, because I saw that on the Buffs uh, Twitter, and I was wondering, as a hurling snob, well, you're not on the higher level of a hurling snob, how do you feel about Gaelic football skill being used in hurling? <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> I actually scored a goal. Uh, I have a picture of home. I scored a goal against Kilkenny, and JJ was arm wrestling me at the time, and I actually kicked it into the net. But uh, so I'm, I'm fond of an old kick goal myself or a kick score. You can do a kick. Um, it's just to know. So Decky Dalton, uh, just you see it often in Gaelic football. He just jabbed behind the the slitter and popped it up into his hand and scored a great point. Yeah, and it was brilliant. Um, you know, use of the foot, obviously. Like you wouldn't even be thinking of doing that. Um, Usually, obviously, you put your hurl underneath it, but he, you know, he flicked it up lovely and got it lovely. But 
Um, you know, it's a pity. You know, years ago you used to be able to solo the ball like a you know a toe tap. Um, but they've actually removed that rule from from hurling now. You can't actually do that anymore. Right. Okay. When did it? When did it get rid of that? I didn't. Re- I don't remember ever seeing. I think that. it was in maybe the early noughties or, or late nineties. Yeah, you used to be allowed toe tap, but not anymore. Right. Okay. Well, she'd be a madman to even trying that. Anyways, why? Why? Well, unless somebody's going to hook you. you see, if, tr- if you've lost your hurl, see, it, it used to be a thing. If if you ah. lost the hurl, you were trying to hold on to possession. That that was generally what people were trying to do um, until someone maybe came closer or something. Right. But, uh, right. Yeah, well, you probably you probably be a brave man to drop that on your toe because that ball is fair game then for a hurl, right? So you, your oh, whole course, foot, yeah. <laughs> your foot could be taken off of you. <laughs> Um, I thought there was some good refereeing up in Yuri there. Do you remember the time that Colin Fenley's running through and he overcarried the ball and Jared Bradley played very well as a sweeper? He goaded him, so he ran in and gave him a bit of a shoulder. Colin Fenley, your kind of natural reaction is to maybe swing a little bit back. He did very little to him, but Bradley was trying to get him sent off. He went down and the referee just ignored this like it didn't happen. And I thought that was fantastic because Bradley didn't deserve to try and get, or Colin Fenley didn't deserve anything from it. But often referees just see that happening and, you know, we'll give Colin Fennelly a yellow card for retaliation when, you know, Jared Bradley, he, he barely got touched. He, you, we all knew know what he was trying to do and the referee was having none of it. Yeah, and I have to say, I was full of praise for Gilharkin yesterday. I thought he was excellent. Um, he was up to play all the time. He made a couple of calls that maybe the, the Schlockneel people didn't appreciate, but yeah, a few, he was right sorry, up against it. Sorry to cut you off. You know? He gave Ballyhill a few early soft frees, I thought, no? Yeah, but it's still technically there were frees. Like, you look him out to Schlock Neil frees the day one where they, you know, pr- particularly Chrissy uh, McKaig, you know, he drove forward loads of times and, you know, he, he they, they won a lot of frees too. So I think it evened itself out over right. the whole length of the game. The only one I'd say was contentious was maybe Fenley's first goal where um, he was playing advantage. TJ Reid was fouled, but Fenley, I thought, took maybe six or seven steps when he, by the time he got the shot off for the goal. That one maybe could have been pulled back just for the free because it seemed to pe- double penalise um, Schlock Neal almost. And obviously a goal is a, is a big killer blow. Does, but the pattern does, I does, thought was very good. And does, to go back to that talking point, sorry. Um, you know, I think you're 100% right. And I think that's what singles Fergal Horgan out as one of the top referees is that he's a hurling man. He's played the game to a top level and he knows the difference between a belt and, you know, just a kind of a shrug and get a lad off you. Yeah, no, that's it. When does Colin Fenley ever take four steps is the next question I might as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. Usually it's three or four on his back, to be fair. We'll give him some credit. Yeah, we'll have to talk about this because Paddy Stapleton is obviously a, a big friend of this show and he's going to have his work cut out because when Colin Fenley gets the ball, he runs straight for you. Like He got caught for barging, I think, once yesterday, but he does it a lot. Like He's going straight for you, which is not really within the rules. No, uh, it's not. It's almost rugby style, isn't it? Like he's yeah. so big, you know, and that's what makes him so hard to stop. But Paddy Saint, will, I think, will relish that too because he, he's brilliant to getting in a flick just before he maybe wins the ball. But um, he's a top, or he's a hard man to stop when he gets going. That last goal, I suppose, epitomised everything about Colin Fenley at the moment. But he seems to hurl. I know it's club hurling. You might say it's a level ball, but he does seem to to hurl with a serious swagger when he's playing with Ballyhale. He really trusts everything about himself there. Ah, yeah. And, he, and to be fair, though, full like full backs at club level can't handle his physicality. Where at the inter county no. level, they might a little bit more. You know, that's. Uh, Seems to be where he gets uh, so much. He's almost unmarkable at times, Colin Fenley, at club level. It's just, it's incredible what he's able to do. Michael McShane, the Stocknail manager, said the goal at the end made the scoreline look a wee bit lopsided. That's a one or two point game there. And I would understand, I would agree with that. He said, we maybe gave away a few soft frees. There was maybe a few soft ones against us. 
but whatever way TJ wasn't missing them and I think that was the difference and that was it like they kept Ballyhale honest the whole way and did you notice TJ Reid's reaction you were at it live it showed it on the television TJ was relieved that game was over like he he celebrated with a fist pump oh yeah and they really knew they were in the game and like as I said I think Shock Neil would have beaten Manny's a team on, on yesterday's performance um, I thought to be fair to Ballyhale after Brendan Rodgers got, got that fantastic goal, I just think the next play summed up why they're all Ireland champions. You know, they went direct with a long ball, puck out, Henri comes out and snaps it. Great catch. You know, two or three lads ascend on him, you know, Slock Neil working hard, but he just had the coolness and the calmness to spot Evan Shefflin sitting in the pocket and Shefflin then scores from about 70 metres. And it was just, it, it was a brilliant score in my view. You know, it pushed it back out to two and it just... It just, you know, said no matter what you throw at Schlockneil, we will have it here today. Yeah. You know, and I just, I just thought it was brilliant. I find Ballyhill Shamrocks and this probably Shefflin's influence in that they're no, they've no problem launching it, but they they mix it up so well that they'll go short and they play it through the lines. But else, they've no problem Michael Fenley just launching it, getting it down there because Fenley's dangerous. And it, it, it often makes me think some teams like Cork or even Ballygunner, they can be married to one way of playing. And that's easy to set yourself up against. Whereas with Ballyhill Shamrocks, you want to push up and stop them going through the lines, they'll launch it long. You know, you want to start dropping a few bodies back and they'll go through the lines and Shefflin will be freer, Evan Shefflin, and he'll put, you know what I mean? He'll put over a point. Yeah. I, th- I think they have a great balance to the way they play. And two things on that, and it wouldn't have been noticeable from telly. Number one would have been their use of their spare man. Um, considering that, you know, Jerry Bradley went into the sweeper role, you know, traditional seven defender sitting behind the centre back and, and hurled that excellently. Um, and that's the way Slock Neal play. Well, that's the way they play in the, in the Ulster final, obviously, as well against Dunlight. And But instead of Ballyhale mirroring that and putting their spare man in behind Michael Fenley, they trusted their five backs. They just kept five backs. They left Ronan Corcoran free in the middle of the field. Right. And Slock Neal didn't cope with that in the first half. And Ron Corkin pipped a couple of points, hit a lot of ball in the middle of the field. And I just thought it was an, a really interesting and very, very effective use of their spare man. They didn't do what, you know, most other teams do. And between Ronan Corkin and Richie Reid, they hit a lot of ball in that first half. Um, Schlock Neal had pulled out Brian Cassidy, number 13. He was out play, maybe playing wing forward and he was caught between two stools. He didn't know whether to go to Corkin or to Richie Reid. And, and between the two of them, I thought they hurled up a storm. And as you said, they worked that ball out really well, really intelligently, until they got it to the likes of Richie Reid or Cochran, who then could strike from distance. You know, yeah. so you're right. And the other thing I would say is they're able to move players around wherever it suits. So actually, after about 15 or 20 minutes, Fenley actually came to centre forward, and and that was probably hard to tell on the telly as well. You know, he so he hurled, he did all his scoring from centre forward, right, and did won all his frees from centre forward, and TJ was in full for most of the game, but if he hit a free, he'd stay out, you know, and he'd drift back in over time. And then when it got into the melting pot the last 10 minutes, TJ came out as well. Shane McGuigan you know, followed him everywhere, did he? He did a everywhere. fairly good yeah, job. Well, yeah, yeah Schlock Neil, they were, they were, every single defender they had was, was earmarked, earmarked, man marked. So yeah. Yeah. Hen- uh, um, Henry Shefton said that after the game, he said, I knew with them not having football this year, the hurling was going to be top class and that's what we saw. And I think we performed very well. I don't think we were as sharp as usual, but Slocknail really tied up our forwards and they did really tie up their... They man-marked them. They marked tight. Honestly, I say this on the show a good few times that footballers man-mark and I honestly, sometimes I think defenders in hurling can be turned very easier. I don't know what it is. I think in football, you're marked 
so tight that you actually you're marked right throughout the game there's a lad beside you and a sidestep won't throw him off he's you know he sh- shadows you I just thought that they were able to get their matchups on Bally Hill and they tied up like, like uh, Mullen didn't get it wasn't yeah, in it wasn't in, never, wasn't in the game at all no on no. Cody not really too much in it you know like TJ no. I thought McGuigan did well on TJ did, the man marked him the man marked him very well they did and like they were brilliant. I thought they were sloppy in terms of the amount of freeze they gave away. And I know you're saying some of them were soft, maybe questionable. As I said, I, I, the one thing I'll say in Fergal Hogan's defence there is he was right up. You know, he was close to the play. He wasn't what you'd see um, typical referees 30, 40, 50 metres away making these calls. So, I, um, you know, I thought in the balance of play it was fair. But Schlockneil probably gave TJ too many opportunities to score freeze. Um, then at the same time, you know, Ballyhill put up two twenty four, yeah. and Colin Fenlish could have had two more goals. Yeah, yeah, so, true. You know, yeah. we talk about tying them up. Yes, they did, and they did a great job. But just look at the scoring prowess that 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 Ballyhill team. Oh, had. they have. They hurt you so many ways. Like if if you know you've two of them tied up. Different scores as well. So like that just tells you the spread of scoring that they have. No, it definitely does. The other big game. I I actually think I was going to start with the Boris Ali uh, St Thomas's game because on paper that was going to be the closer one, but it actually wasn't. The 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 one you were at was the closer one and. For mm. me, this was a very convincing win for Boris Ali. The, the, it was seven points in the end with that late goal by J.D. Devaney, but they were, they were by far the better team. I think against uh, arguably limited enough Thomas's team in a lot of ways. It was real Roy of the Rover stuff from Brendan Maher. Um, I think they gave Conor Kenny man of the match, but I don't know how anyone watching that game didn't give man of the match to Brendan Maher. Maybe they're tired of giving it to him at this <laughs> yeah. stage. So it's just this cameo at the end where he takes a free and breaks his hurl. So, like, I don't, I don't know, towards the end, during the game, um, it's young, young Kevin Kelly. Or, yeah. yeah, young Kevin Maher starts taking the freeze. And I think Brendan, over the course of the game, bullies him out of them. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it happens. but I don't understand it either. I don't get like, that, I, no. I, I kind of got it in the Munster final because it was such a wet day and it was such a big occasion that, yeah. you know, it was kind of almost too much pressure on every single free. And it was, you know, scores were at premium that day. But Kevin Maher was hurling really well and had scored a few. So it just seemed to be a case of Brendan would hit whatever one he felt like almost. No, I, well, I, I would have thought the early agreement with them is that Maher's on the in close in ones because yeah. he's accurate and Brendan or Brendan Maher then is on the long range ones. But over the course of the game, Brendan starts moving closer and closer <laughs> in. He ended up with 10 points. Handy ones. But then, yeah, oh yeah, they'll add up. But he got 10. But look, he was absolutely brilliant. And it was like, like I said, Roy, they over stuff in that he broke his hurl with the free. The agreement obviously was he'd take the free and because Thomas's were taking quick puck out, stay where you are. And, you know, he chased down the puck out. The puck out came short. It was given back to the goalie. He chased down the puck out and got a flick on it. Now, this is with a broken hurl. The ball broke down to um, a Boris Elite player who hand-passed it back into Brennan Maher and off his, fairly sure that's off his bad side. It is off his bad yeah, off side. Off his left, well, uh, if we can call it bad. Yeah, yeah. sidestep yeah, down side. with half a bloody hurley and sticks it over the bar from an impossible <laughs> angle. And that's not even having looked at the goals. Like, he turned blind out to his left. You know what I mean? It was oh, unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And in fairness, like, I thought his performance against... Um, Bally Gunner was amazing and it was, as you said, right or over stuff. This this just crowned it off altogether. Yeah. Because he was after putting in a, a great performance as well. But the, the half the hurl thing, like, you know, what a score and, you know, the audacity to go for then as well. But I suppose the older generation, if there's any of them listening here today, they'll be saying, sure, that's a normal hurl compared to what they used to <laughs> hurl with. <So laughs> to be fair, the size of the boss has changed so much over the years that 
the bit that broke off it, if you look closely, it, you know, he still had a good chunk of the Bostons on it. So um, I read an article, a very interesting article over the summer or over the winter, sorry, um, you know, about the size of the Boston Hurleys now and how large they actually are. And it's amazing. You know, hurls have got smaller um, in terms of their, their length and obviously a much bigger boss. So it, it's totally different what they're, what they're using years ago, but no, have to appreciate all the attributes you expect from from Barcelona wrapped up in one particular play, you know, not giving up on the puck, yeah. you know, because anyone else could have just given up on that. And obviously, then you know, fantastic score. They don't miss much, you know. They, they make use of almost every single ball that they get. Saint, like Saint Thomas's did keep them honest towards the end, but like I mean, I think Barcelona had Boris. I'm, I was glad in the end Barcelona won because I think they'll definitely make a better game of it in the final. I think they have forwards that can hurt uh, Ballyhale, you know, and it'll be a better. Final final for it. The big, the big talking point after the game on TG Cahar, you, you know, in the interviews was how Brendan Maher gets himself a free role and how he gets himself a free role is that Dan McCormick picks up his man and it's a great little tactic and Donald O'Grady was asking him, was it a management decision or was it their own decision and uh, Dan McCormick said it's a bit of both and so whenever Brendan Maher's man is kind of breaking away and Brendan's holding the centre, Dan McCormick will go over pick him up. Now Brendan Maher's on a free roll. Yeah. Now he's got a free roll. And Dan McCormick's man needs to be clued into this to go down onto Brendan Maher, but it never seems to happen. And Brendan Maher comes no. late on, he comes late on the plays and he just has a complete free roll. And like, they did enough talking about it after the game for Ballyhale Shamrocks to know, right, okay, I don't care where he goes we're not leaving Brendan Maher. Like, it's difficult then again for a centre forward. He wants to get away from Brendan Maher. So, yeah. and you don't want to stop him doing that. So now Brendan Maher is not following him. Dan McCormick picks him up and now the other midfielder is asleep and Brendan Maher is not being marked. Have I, have See, I, made, se- have I made sense there? Yeah, you have. And look, Brendan Maher is such a big player. So, you know, every score he gets then, it's almost like two or three points. You know, it lifts yeah. the crowd. It gives energy to Bursley. And, Generally, they're in a tight game as well, so they're they're just massive scores, and he's breaking forward. It's a nightmare to mark. It's like it's not really centre back role at all. It's no, it's, it's not. Know, it's a it's a license to do basically whatever you like, and it's so hard to mark. The other side of it is, you know, like I thought, St Thomas is almost in a way could have left that, left that game behind them. They had so many criminal wides, you know. Yeah, they had six or seven shots straight in front of the goal. You know, no excuse for them. Um, and I think their choice of free taker was questionable as well. I have to say, it's it's. We've talked about this at length last year when Stephen Bennett was hitting it in Park. Matney wasn't, and we often talked about Connor Cooney and Joe Canning. And sometimes it's just you have to go with who it feels better with. And I couldn't understand why Connor Cooney wasn't on those. Yeah, and he played all. He played well, Connor Cooney out in the wing. He got three. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was only in and out of the game. I don't think they got enough out of Conor Cooney or David Burke. You know, David Burke, obviously fantastic hurler. And David Burke was wasn't in, he wasn't in the game at all. No, he was only in fits and starts as well. And you know, got probably the game bypassed him for for a hell of a lot of the, a hell of a lot of it as well. So St. Thomas's will be kicking themselves. They're used to Fintan Burke as well. You know, brilliant offload for the goal. Um, but that's when he was, you know, he drifted into full forward. I thought, you know, he, he's naturally a defender. If not, then you probably needed him at the edge of the square to, to show something different for, for St. Thomas's because did a lot of aimless ball hit just loose, you know, went over the sideline, uh, over the end line a couple of times. I don't think they got enough out of inside then as well. They could have had a good target man like Fintan Burke in there for, as they've seen for that goal. Yeah, oh, it was Fintan Burke that offloaded that, did it, was it? It was so, Fintan, yeah, yeah, it was him that caught that and offloaded. But then the goalie made a big mistake because he obviously thought the ball was going to play straight through and he was completely out of position. 
Um, but well spotted by Anna Burke because he, he did know that he was out of position and went for it then. Yeah, we, I, saw the f- I saw something I never saw before in this game. It was the first ever fist pump hook. So Ray McCormack, <laughs> Ray McCormack was at a fist pump. Brendan Maher was at it as well. We know Brendan Maher does it for Tipperary, but both of them in their defence, they did fist, they did two fist pumps. They were kind of dynamic freeze that they won where they hit the ground hard and they're kind of natural. I kind of understood where they came up, but Ray McCormack decided to do a huge big fist pump and then wait a second and then have a delay and then do another huge big one. So he got the first one. Now he hit the ground. He won a great free. And I think it was uh, Bernard Burke, number 12 for, for St. Thomas. He saw this second fist pump coming and he hooked the fist pump with his with his arm. And it, I'm not sure if you saw that or whether you saw enough of it, but I it was actually, unbelievable. I saw all the fist pump and yeah, after it was, they were really kind of getting into it at that stage. Brendan Bugler would have been really proud of them ones. But did you ever see a man hook a fist pump? <laughs> <laughs> it's just fantastic oh, stuff. I haven't seen a lad give him a hook for, for giving one already. <laughs> Right, Paddy Power performance of the weekend um, here, Brian, to finish up. Um, first one I have down here, and if you can add it, Annie, if you want, it's just on that second game. I thought Shane Cooney, while St. Thomas's weren't great, yeah. he was outstanding the whole way through the game. What's his story? What age is he? Or is he Galway material? I, I, I hadn't... He just looked, he looked head and shoulders above a lot of players on the field yesterday. Yeah, he is excellent. And I have to say, the way he hurled, you, you would say he has something really big to offer to Galway at the moment you know yeah. um, you know and, and Fintan Burke I think if he's used properly could have something to offer as well so Galway have, have lots of options but Shane Cooney I think you're right he he, he was exceptional he just he's, he's used to the ball he's feeling in the ball um, he got got up the field and got a great score great interplay with, with Connor, obviously that for that point as well so um, I'll tell you one thing he's one that definitely left it all in the field yesterday No he definitely did Conor Kenny got the official man of the match on TG Carr and he was brilliant as well um, Borussia are like they have a lot of ways to hurt you as well we, we've talked loads about the full forward line um, my man uh, Jerry Kelly started yeah. off great and got an inspirational early point but wasn't one of his more influential games J- uh, JD Devaney played very well Kevin Maher drifting all over the field played really well but the two wing forwards the, the Kenny and Kieran Maher they were kind of came to my attention as, geez, these two boys have a bit about them as well. Yeah. They're, they're, they're in all finals. They're obviously extremely talented hurlers. They're maximising everything they have. They have a very disciplined um, structure in the way that they play. Um, you know, but it's not often how, how many teams can put someone like Dan McCormick back as a sweeper as well. You know, remember he's playing wing forward for Tipperary. Obviously plays a different type of role and works hard and, and breaks up a lot of play. But, um, you know Johnny Kelly we've talked about this a lot of times very very astute and maximised everything to have and Kieran Maher great score as well he got over in the far side well actually by the way this is another talk about like, why do they persist with having the camera facing onto the terrace oh, it's terrible it's terrible, it's terrible. Yeah. and we know that they can they can face it the other way because they have done under 21 all Ireland springs to mind some of the camogie games spring to mind as well well I'd um, say so I'd I, say I it's ca- I, well I'd say I'd say it's without asking TG Carr I'd say it's to do with cost because you go up into the stand and the, the box is there the waiting for you there, you, ha- yeah. you have to construct one on the other side but I take your point like you hear a great atmosphere under the stand and you don't see anything visually yeah. like the optics are terrible for, for, for yeah. atmosphere and we actually played in All-Ireland semi-final there as well and it is actually weird hurling on the far side of the field when there's nobody there yeah. you know you know, whatever even about the scatter of 100 or 200 people you might hear the odd call 
but it's actually it's a bit freaky when when you're on the far side of the field um, and and everything's over on the stand side. So it's it's probably not the greatest venue for a club semi final, is it? It's too big. It's too like there there must be a small a smaller venue. Yeah, but wh- what was the alternative? Maybe go tennis. Maybe that would have been the the only alternative. Might have been or Ennis. Come to Tullamore, Ennis, you know. So yeah, Ennis would have been at least it would, at least six or seven thousand wouldn't be completely lost in Ennis. Do you know? Like I yeah. mean, it's it's completely lost in the Gaelic grounds. Like you know, the stands are too big, and like that terrace is empty, and the two end terraces are empty. I do, but it's it's even something that like Limerick, you know, from from their own perspective, could could look into maybe supplementing the cost of, of trying to make sure the cameras are on the other side because yeah, um, you know whether building the gantry over that side or whatever because I think it does Limerick as a venue an injustice as well because you know the stand is, is a fine stand and it's a great atmosphere in there and I just think it, 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 it would add to the overall experience for maybe people watching at home but even you know I think I think it's important that you see you know the the, the level of, of maybe passion that's happening in that stand Yeah you know? no I completely agree now if, if the Gaelic grounds is full I like the camera where it was yesterday because that's a lovely yeah. height Terrace or a li- lovely high seated open stand, yeah. and that looks great on the television as well. But yeah, we're we're uh, we're hard to please here, the two of us. But it, no, <laughs> no, f- camera facing a completely empty terrace like that's a no brainer for me. That's you know, it's just yep. and then noise coming out of somewhere, and you're <laughs> like you're wondering where you know. Anyways, um, right, that's it. Brendan Rogers one two. His goal was this fella's like he's a full back in football. Can you believe it? Like yeah. surely there's a position you could find this fella that's that's more now he's the mo- most attacking full back you'll ever see you know so he's a huge kind of strength of theirs from full back but Jesus just burning lads down the sideline and then like that's top class inter-county standard putting the points over from that you know from that side along the sideline after making a big run and then his goal was just out of this world yeah and that first score I call it it was definitely the score at half and it was Adrian Mullen I think it was another another Valley Hill player chasing him and he just left them on the yeah, way for dead you know right on the sideline like, you know, that's a serious score and, you know he was after running maybe 30-40 metres at that stage as well so you know and he scored a point off his left side over on the other side of the field so you know this man can hurl and remember he scored the goal off the left as well the so, goal was off the left you know, yeah yeah so you know that just shows he, he has it all had, had the feeling had the the, you know the powerful running Chrissy McHaig's another man as well obviously um, he was outstanding he set the tone with that early point as well like he's yeah. a real leader Here, would would Derry be as well off play Slock Neil team as their <laughs> inter-county team I don't want to disrespect any other players in Derry but if they're able to put it up to Ballyhill Shamrocks Ballyhill Shamrocks are, are a, a Joe McDonough Cup level team Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, and yeah, so no, what's Derry better. doing struggling around in the Christie ring when you have a team like Slock Nail Jesus play, play 10 of them play 11 of them yeah, see the the big problem I see, you know, I obviously in my own country, is that they end up. It's not a team. They're not coherent team. Then when you go into the county, Do you know, right. I, I appreciate the points you're making. Like if you have ten or twelve or maybe a good, you know, structure of that team playing playing with Derry. But then look, that's that's a left field thought. I I don't think you know the you have inter county managers and they want their own stamp on it and yeah. they see other players should be fitting in. You know yourself. There's so many dynamics there. Play, I still think I actually I still think appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, their winning mentality. You know, they're used to winning. They've got that confidence. Yeah. Like there should be seven or eight of them Christ they're dominating Ulster and um, you know they're the best team yeah, in Derry I suppose look you know some of them play football and they concentrate just on the football with, with, with um, Derry then as well as well that's true and, you know being well, true code, so. yeah no Dan, that's a fair point I didn't think of that very obvious point as well <laughs> of uh, yeah the footballers Sir McGuigan and Chrissy McCaig and Brendan Rogers, arguably three of their best players yesterday they'd all yeah. be committing to the football Colin Fenley obviously we talked about him 2-1 Declan Dalton we talked about him for 5 
Father 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 Ma- Father Mannings. Father O'Neill's. Father O'Neill's, or what am I talking about? Father O'Neill's. Um, and they, like I said, play Tullerone now in the final. Tommy Walsh got 2-1 from full forward. Not bad. They hammered the Antrim champions. Isn't it gas? This, for for another year, Kilkenny have the senior, intermediate and junior finalists. Like, the club club hurling in Kilkenny is just on another on another planet. Unbelievable. But the one thing I'll say, and probably, and this is why you never see Tipperary going well at intermediate, um, it's Kilkenny's 13th team represent them in the Intermediate Championship because they have only 12 senior teams. Right. Whereas in Tipperary, it's their 33rd team. I you get know, you. They have, they have 32 senior teams and it's their Intermediate Champions to go forward. Cork obviously have a huge amount of clubs and like you can see Declan Dalton, they have obviously a flawed system if you like to call it that. Declan Dalton's have to win the senior county final. At, I think there was eight on the panel for Immokilly. Do you know? Yeah. So, you know, they have their own system going on as well so that's why you see Kilkenny and Cork dominating at intermediate levels ah, so right. that's, in, that's interesting too isn't it and like I mean the, yeah. the new the new uh, football review task committee has recommended that every county have 16 senior clubs and that would get rid of all that because you're right that's not fair I think Kerry have the same thing at intermediate level because they've only 12 senior teams as well they're 13 team which is Temple No are just hammering everybody in the yeah. in the intermediate and that's not fair either yeah, and, and it's the same then with junior, obviously, as well for Kilkenny. Yeah, there's another filters down, yeah. You filters know what I mean? Down, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's it, you know, it, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking their system. There's nothing wrong with their, their system is brilliant. So that's not a, a slight on the way Kilkenny are doing things. It's just that, obviously, it's not equal in all counties. No, it's not equal. And they should probably look to equal it all up, you know. Like, I mean, I think yeah. that's uh, that's what they should do. And that's what they're recommending to do. So that'll be voted on. The Praddy Power performance of the weekend has to go to Brendan Maher. I think uh, Johnny Kelly summed it up. He said after the game, he says, Brendan, was, Brendan is one of the greatest hurlers I've ever seen. He's a pleasure to coach. There's no airs or graces about Brendan. He's a Boris Alima. I like this part. He's a Boris Alima and first, a Tipperary man second and he doesn't need any words of mine um, today to recognise what a great player he is. Some players just love that leadership role with their club and love being that kind of driving force and he revels in it, doesn't he? He just wants to be everywhere on the field. He's making blocks, he's getting in tackles, he's he's scoring points, he's blocking down goalkeepers. Like it's beyond belief what this fella's doing all over the field. Oh, it is exceptional and you kind of run out superlatives for for Brendan Maher. I I just, he epitomises I think everything, as I said this already about Bursa Lee and what they're at at the moment. But, yeah. you know, he has heart, he has determination, he has skill, he has, you know, the bit of flair about him. Yeah. He's not afraid to mix it up and, and he'll I, get involved I, with you. And if, you know, yeah. if you're getting the better of him, because I know at first hand he'll, he'll get stuck in with you as well. You know, he'll, he'll right. buff you up and, you know, oh, he has it. He's stealing the mind as well. So, He's brilliant. We were actually, a group of my, and my mates, we were having a pint over Christmas and we were debating the, the team of the decade. And um, for me, and, and a couple of us, like he had to be on that team of the decade. I just think he's he's had an exceptional influence on both Tipperary and obviously his club, Bursley. And I, I think it's, it's, as you said, it's wider over stuff. It's great that maybe he's getting this opportunity with his club just so late. And, and to remember, he went through that cruciate injury as well, which would yeah. have written off a, a lot of players. And he's bounced back, you know, at his age, I'm talking about. And he's come back and, and been arguably putting in better performances since. In a way, they're Tipperary underusing him. I know they won the All-Ireland, like, I mean, no one's going to question Liam Sheedy, but he hadn't doing a man-marking role, which for me is just, uh, I don't, I, when you see what he can do yesterday as being, you know, the leader or yeah, a free but, but man. What or, do you think about now, he man-marked Tony Kelly. So, 
there's not too many people in the country fit to do that. No. Do you know what I mean? So, like, plenty of people have tried, but plenty of people have failed when it comes to the likes of Tony Kelly. So, well, he was in on Galan. He was in on Galan as well. Yeah, and he, the Galan he, one was. Yeah, well, you, see, you see, there you go. He, Galan was the, the main guy as well. Yeah. He's go to guy. So that just shows the level of trust. But it shows that, that it shows TV. it shows how brilliant he is that at intercounty level yeah. he can be a blocker and at club level he can be an ins- an inspiration like there's yeah uh, yeah I but don't look know. most inter- most intercounty hurlers at this stage are able to do both you know what I mean you have to give them that credit too you often hear Cody saying that as well these are intelligent guys they're the best guys in their club so um they're, they're, they should be able to do both yeah okay well listen Brendan Margus Paddy Power performs the weekend thanks very much Brian I agree we'll go- with you on that one Willie I have to say which one oh on the oh yeah good good, good yeah yeah um it, like uh, there's no way I was going to anybody else this weekend so that's it we'll be back on Thursday we'll do another show um, and we'll talk to you then good luck The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV if you're losing first goal scorer bet gets a goal I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both players have, have spoken with each other and uh and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f- shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses f- for fing f- years. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.